This is a CQ University Australia podcast, where we talk to some of the university's interesting characters. Hi, you're with Izzy Symes for the CQ University podcast, The Grapevine. Today I'm speaking with Kari Arborn, Associate Vice-Chancellor for Townsville and Northwest Queensland. Kari is based at CQ Uni's Townsville campus. Welcome, Kari. Thank you, Izzy. Good to be here. First of all, in order to give our listeners a bit of a background, tell me about yourself from the very beginning, growing up in Glasgow. The very beginning. Hmm. Um, yeah, well, I grew up in Glasgow, which is quite different from North Queensland. I had a, um, we lived in a very large wood, um, which was, in fact, in a manse, um, which was in clo- uh, which was immense to a castle just down the road. Um, the house was to over two hundred and seventy years old, so it was quite a quite a different sort of house. Um, we were in uh, the middle of a wood, so we uh, really had a very free childhood where we ran around the wood uh, for most of the day. Um, and just played and invented different stories. We had a grave um, yard at the bottom of our garden. We played around in that and invented all sorts of stories. And of course, there's all ghost stories anyway in and around the castle and around the manse um, and lots of different different tales. So we ran around. Mum, mum would have a big, she had a big old school bell where um, she would ring the bell when it was time for us to come in for uh, dinner. And yeah, it was very free, very cold. I used to skate on the pond at the bottom of the garden as well during the during the winter. And we always used to hope that I, we wouldn't get out to get the train in the morning to go into school. So when it got icy, if dad didn't put salt out on the road, I, half a mile up, then we couldn't get out. So we, we would have a day off. How interesting. It sounds very different to the life you live now here in um, Townsville. It certainly it certainly <laughs> is. And you know what? I'm the first person to get cold when it becomes winter in Townsville, which is really bizarre. Um, I always seemed to be cold when I, was in, uh, when I was in Scotland, but you still did things as kids and you still ran around and in and out of the water. Um, my dad was a, a water polo player, a world water polo player. So we spend a lot of time swimming. Uh, a lot of time in the water, a lot of time practicing water polo. Um, yeah, and it was cold, but it didn't seem to worry us when we were kids. Here's a random one for you, Kara. You mentioned the mats and the castle and the land growing up. Um, do you own land in Scotland now? Because if so, I believe that we are incorrectly referring to you as Miss Arborn and you should in fact be <laughs> That's exactly right. It did. How did you know that, Miss Izzy? <laughs> did you look that up? Um, I've got some land in Glencoe. So in exactly that, it's supposed to be if you are a landowner in Scotland... You can be a lady or a laird, as the Scottish terminology of lord is. So yes, I could be Lady Arborn, but I think that might be a little bit pretentious. So I have it has crossed my mind to use it on my Qantas frequent flyer, so I get upgraded a bit more. I think that's a great idea, and you need to utilise it wherever you can. <laughs> So how does a girl from Scotland end up in Australia? Oh my goodness! So. Growing up, I loved I loved Glasgow. Glasgow's a rough city um, and gets a, a, a very rough reputation, but it, it does remind me a, a little bit of Melbourne in the sense that not because it's rough, but more that it has a lot of culture, 
um, I guess derived from maybe cold, you know, uh, it being cold and people being indoors more often than outdoors and all of that. So I did love Glasgow. Um, I finished my nursing degree. I hadn't been particularly wild about the idea of doing nursing, to be honest. I'd always, always, always wanted to be an orthopaedic surgeon, which from the age of nine, I decided, I cannot remember why I thought it was orthopaedic, but an orthopaedic surgeon. And I didn't, I got very sick in my last year and didn't get the grades. So I got into dentistry, didn't want to do dentistry. And at that stage, nursing was... Um, probably ahead of its time at Glasgow University because they they portrayed it as you will be like mini doctors. So it's probably the equivalent of a physician assistant in those days. But so we had four and a half years of that and I thought, right, I'll go in and do that because we worked with the medics in the first year and then I'll transfer. But you know, after four and a half years at uni I just wanted out. But I didn't really want to do nursing. Um, I guess I'll come back to that because nursing's been very good to me, but I didn't want to do nursing at the time. So I went into a pharmaceutical company. My best friend at school and I had always talked about going to Australia. And in fact, embarrassingly, we used to put Australia and don't even ask me to try and put an Australian accent on now, but we used to go to clubs and we used to pretend we we're two Australian girls, which is ridiculous, but it got the boys. Anyway, um, and we'd always talked about it, but it was never the right time. And so when I was ready to finish and I got into this pharmaceutical company, um, Jennifer wasn't ready to come across. And um, she'd actually gone to Val Desert skiing and fallen in love with a skiing instructor. So I thought, really, the only way that I'm going to go for just a short time, maybe just three months, maybe six months, was to go on my own. So I was working one day in Edinburgh and I walked into a travel agent and got a one-way ticket because I couldn't afford a, a return. It wasn't that I didn't think I was going to come back. And now when I think about it and think about my mum and dad and think now as my kids have my kids have done this to me, it would have been, it's just dreadful. I went back home to the traditional Sunday roast um, from my flat and said, guess what I did over last week? I've just bought a ticket to Australia and I can't now believe that I told mum and dad like that. They were very good about it. They were shocked, obviously, as were my friends. But I really thought that it would only be three months or six months that I would do it. But I was absolutely convinced that that's what I needed to do to get it out of my system. Um, and so that's the that's the story of getting, I, that's the story, I guess, of, of being here. I I started off feeling very confident getting on that plane I got off in Melbourne with no job with $400 and just terrified very lonely very homesick couldn't call mum and dad every time I called mum and dad for the first few weeks I, I just I, I choked up so uh, you know very different person coming off to the confident one getting on that plane it being an adventure um, but yeah, yeah, I stayed. The rest is obviously history. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't meant to be. I, I guess I got um, nursing. I I started. I did some nursing, um, but I couldn't get registered for a month. So I taught kids swimming because my I'd grown up in a swimming family. My my dad was a, a world a champion water polo player. So. Um, I grew up in a swimming family, so I started teaching kids swimming quickly by day three um, because I had no money. Um, and I uh, started traveling, and yeah, the rest is history. I met someone out in Julia Creek, um, and we got engaged and uh, married. I got married over in Loch Lomond, and yeah, the rest is history. And at some point, mum and dad realized I wasn't coming home, and I don't necessarily think I realized that 
until quite late on that I probably wasn't going home. Wow. Mm. Now, you mentioned Julia Creek. Mm. What got you from Melbourne to Julia Creek? Started travelling around. I met some people in uh, Melbourne who wanted to go to the... Now, this is embarrassing because people would realise how old I am, but I went over to the Commonwealth Games in New Zealand and we travelled over there, loved New Zealand, and um, then I met uh, my cousin from Scotland. I'd always said that I would meet him if he wanted to come out and travel. And he called me one day in Sydney and said, hey, I'm here. You know, are you, where are you? Can you come over? So I came back to Australia, ran out of money at Early Beach again um, and made it up to Townsville and went to the hospital and said, are there any jobs? Um, and they said, look, we've got a great job for you. We've just put on some nursing staff in Townsville, but we've got a great job for you up in Palm Island. Would you like to go up there for six weeks? And I went round and asked people about Palm Island and some of the backpackers, and they're going, oh, it's supposed to be beautiful. I'm saying, oh, yeah, that, that would be good. And so they said, come back and sign the papers. Um, come back and sign the papers tomorrow, and we'll send you up to Palm Island. So I came back the next day, and I signed these papers, and they gave me a ticket for Julia Creek. I said, what's going on? And they said, oh, we've got you muddled up. Are you not going out to Julia Creek for six weeks? I said, oh, I really wanted to go to Palm Island. It sounded fantastic. And they said, look, how about you go out to Julia Creek for six weeks? Um, And then if you're really keen, we'll give you six weeks in Palm Island. I'd be oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So that's what I did. And the only trepidation I had to start with was I had a little Walkman, a little uh, sunny Walkman. And it had broken down. Again, that's going to show my age as well. I travelled everywhere with this. And it had broken. So I thought, right, before I go out to Julia Creek, I'll get it fixed. And I went into Townsville, a rental pl- uh, uh, radio place. And I came back to pick it up. And I said, I told them that I was going out to Julia Creek the next day. And I said, you know, how much is that? And they said, mate, if you're going out to Julia Creek, it's free for you. And I thought, oh, my goodness, where am I going? Where am I going? So that's how I ended up out at Julia Creek for six weeks, and that turned into seven years. Wow. Mm. Speaking of Julia Creek, did I or did I not hear that you once participated in something called bog snorkeling? <laughs> Please explain. Yeah, well, yes, I did, and a few people know this story. Um, we the, the Dirt and Dust Triathlon actually started when I was out at Julia Creek. So we were involved in the medical side of it. Um, and as the time has gone on, uh, Julia Creek have tried to identify some other sort of activities around the Dirt and Dust Triathlon that they could be known for. And bog snorkelling was one. Bog snorkelling is well known in Ireland and there is a bog snorkelling championships. So what they did one year was bring out the world champion bog snorkeler um, from Ireland to Julia Creek. And I essentially beat her. Um, I actually beat all the girls and all the guys. So I won the title of champion bog snorkeler for, I think it was actually three years I ended up winning. Um, But what was funny about it, I guess, was that this Irish bog snorkeler was not amused by this. And she tried to sort of say, look, it wasn't according to the regulations because you could do this or that. The reality was we did do it according to the regulations. <laughs> it wasn't an Irish bog snorkel bog, um, but it was a legitimate I am. Um, so I could claim that I was the champion world champion bog snorkeler. What she didn't and um, what she never experienced, which I did, was at that time there was 
loads and loads of little cane toads that had come out and the kids were all throwing the cane toads onto us as we were swimming so that was particularly horrible so I, I reckon um, Irish bog snorkeling would be colder um, no doubt but I still think I was a legitimate champion you mentioned um, kids yeah so kids obviously came about at some point yeah so I I did I found somebody out there we had 10 weeks where we were um it was a big uh, it was a big wait that year and 10 weeks where we were flooded in um, and I thought I'm not going to last for another 10 weeks I can't I've got to I've got to get out but anyway didn't met someone out there I um, called mum and dad again and said guess what I'm, I'm engaged and they're saying who to who to so did another awful thing to them um and I I was lucky enough, I the the town, I had never been in such a small town. So for somebody from Glasgow who didn't know their neighbours, to walk into a small community town and have everybody know you, and to an extent own you because you were one of the nurses at the hospital, was really incredible. It could be, you could suggest at times it was suffocating because you'd be out, I'd be out water skiing and they'd be calling me to come into the hospital or I'd be out at dinner and it's it's constant. But it is amazing and they really, they really take you into their community and invite you to everything. So that, that was amazing. Um, I Within the six months that I was there, I actually applied for and I was offered the position of Director of Nursing. So that was another reason that I stayed there. Um, I was 26, I was Director of Nursing in a small outback hospital. And at that time, um, we did our own x-rays. We were the pharmacists, we were the vets. I pulled teeth, I've saved dogs. You know, it was an incredible experience. It was incredibly good in the sense that it taught me huge amounts. It was incredibly hard at times too because there was a lot of obviously traumatic deaths and you actually knew those people so in Glasgow you know people would come in having had a car accident and you didn't know them it was still traumatic but that sort of emotion where the whole community is devastated but you also know that person too was quite an interesting learning experience um, so, but having that job kept me there and of course I was married there and had, had the kids there not actually at the hospital and came into Townsville, but we had the kids there. And there were really, we, we left there when they were three, when Caitlin was three, but the connection back to that area now is incredible. Um, the, the community still look upon my kids as being part of their community. And there's connections everywhere. So I lost all my connections leaving Glasgow and I guess what you would call the boys network. Um, but my kids, as a result of being out there, have got a very strong protective network, which is just amazing. That's beautiful. Hey. You have two children, two yep. girls, right? Yep. Yeah. And um, have they followed in mum's footsteps? Has there been any news there that they've got a one-way ticket? Oh, no, I thought you meant professionally-wise. Profession. The profession part's interesting. Because I desperately, because I had always wanted to do medicine, I desperately wanted one of my kids to do medicine. And to a degree, I was just that little bit disappointed when they decided to do something else. But it's taught me a lesson because I can't live my life, you know, through them. And at the end of the day, I think, 
you know, people listening to this with kids will understand this. At the end of the day, you want your children to be happy. So it, it was a good it was a good learning lesson for me because I was so desperate for them to, to take on the baton of I'm going to do medicine. So one's an exercise physiologist and one is training to be a speech pathologist. So they never considered nursing, but they have orientated themselves towards health. You're right, as far as um, them moving, it fills me with horror that they're going to do the same. My mom has always said, it's okay, I'll get you back. Anytime they come over, we will introduce them to any Scottish boy we possibly can, so they stay. But the um, Kayla's pretty settled, actually, interestingly, in Townsville. I'm, she's travelled a lot with me, and one of her perspectives has been that she's done a lot of travelling, she's seen already a lot of the world, she'd like to see a lot of the world, but in fact she she now knows what she's got in Townsville, and I think that's very cool. Um, she said, I, I don't, I'm not desperate to leave because I know what we have. Um, I will travel, but she's probably not going to travel and stay somewhere. Sophie, on the other hand, has fallen in love with Italy, and so she's pretty keen to get back to Europe and possibly spend some time in Italy. So we'll see what happens after she finishes her speech pathology. We'll just see. Marry yeah. Italian, Mary. Well, I might have to move over there then, <laughs> might I? I might have to have a holiday house over there. Sounds dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what ended up bringing you to Townsville and... I guess, importantly, also to CQU. To CQU. I think, so the seven years I had in Julia Creek were amazing. And as I said, but it was full on. It was really full on. And I think now there's a lot more conditions where you get six weeks on and then you get out. And, but we just didn't have that. And so that became really tiring. You know, I, I spent a lot of time up at the hospital during the night. You know, I'd have to throw Caitlin to whoever... I could drop her off too during the night. So we sort of I sort of knew that it probably was going to come to an end at some point. And particularly I'm the the kids out in Julie Creek have to go to boarding school and I didn't want to do that. So I did um, apply for a position at Park Haven, which became the Wesley, which then became uh, now the matter in Townsville. Um, as a service improvement manager, so essentially a quality manager, I had a bit of a background in quality. We um Julie we got Julia Creek accredited um uh, through the ACHS and we were the first hospital in the West to get accredited and we were the smallest hospital they'd ever accredited. So we had quite a lot um of kudos I guess as a result of that. And um I helped get Normanton and Mount Isa accredited too. So I came into um Park Haven with that um, um mandate and a year later I got the position of Director of Clinical Services, so we decided to stay in Townsville. That was a great job. So the clinical services oversaw the doctors as well. Um, they were going through a sale out of Parkhaven into the Wesley, um, and the Wesley were looking at joining even the Director of Clinical Services with the manager position. So it was a pretty busy time. Did that for a little while. Was doing my MBA, um, and got involved in, to try and cut a long story short, a business competition around the development of a landmine detector that detected plastic landmines. Really bizarre, um, but we went into a competition here, a business planning competition, and we won uh, the Australian uh, uh, competition to represent Australia in Texas, and we were a runner-up there. So this whole business um 
business planning and business concepts started to catapult because I started getting asked to do all sorts of business planning. But while I was over in Texas, a job came up at JCU and it was Executive Officer of Science, Engineering and IT. It oversaw, uh, as part of it, the di- uh, Director of Orpheus Island, the research station, which sounded pretty appealing, <laughs> and also all the marine and aquaculture facilities. And I thought, hmm, I don't know anything really, I can dive. Um, but maybe that's now an opportunity to do something very different from nursing. I wasn't unhappy with the director of nursing, but I knew that I wanted to try something different. And I also felt quite confident, which is interesting. And it's something I say to the nurses. I was quite confident that the skills that I developed in nursing really were transferable. And it didn't essentially matter that I didn't know a lot about the areas I was going into. Anyway, I got the job. And I stayed at JCU for about 12 years, doing lots of different jobs. Um, every time there was a secondment or there was a project, the VC would um, tap me on the shoulder and say, do you want to give this a try? So I had, I had lots of opportunity there. But I wasn't probably progressing any further. And it got to the point where I looked at JCU and thought, I'm either going to stay here for the rest of my career or I need to think about doing something else. I had done my midwifery, I literally a creek, by distance through CQU, and I knew Scott, I'm from JCU, and Scott, it was really interesting, because CQU, it is correct, CQU didn't have a fantastic reputation, um, but over the first few years that Scott was in there, we were starting to get feedback that CQU were doing different things, and that they were really being quite progressive, and people were starting to take notice of them. So I finished up at JCU um, and thought I might take a few months off um, and just have a bit of a think about what I'll do. And uh, I called, I actually called Scott to find out if there was any positions coming up. And I got interviewed for a project um, job looking at study hubs and centres and Cairns campus. And um, yeah, that's how I ended up across at CKU. And it sort of felt, it felt right. I'm... because of that circular um, way back 10 years before that I'd actually done, um, I was an alumnus and I had done my midwifery through. So I sort of knew that the the distance education material was really good and yeah. Just to clarify by Scott, you mean our Vice-Chancellor? Yes, sorry, our Vice-Chancellor. Now, so how long have you been with CQU now? So five years, and five years has just disappeared because it's just moved on so fast. Um, I guess the camp, the university itself has done so much, um, by, particularly in Townsville for me. Um, we have moved and moved and grown and grown, so it really has gone very quickly, and I, I'm surprised to even say that it's been five years. And your role has also changed since yes. taking on that project. So it's a project, I'm really doing projects, business development. I, I was uh, reporting into Alistair Dawson. And uh, when we started looking at study centres and hubs and where we might be able to locate them, Townsville was pretty obvious because we had already 500 distance students here. So it was an obvious choice in many ways. We were a bit nervous. Um, there was clearly a, a bit of nervousness about the fact that JCU had been here for a, for you know a long time, and they were the the university that everybody talked about. However, when the vice chancellor came up and we started talking to community, we could see that there was an appetite for another presence. 
So a study centre was set up. Um, we actually probably thought that it wouldn't be any more than a study centre that would grow the distance. But again, community had a bigger vision and really could see that it wasn't about the competition, it was about expanding those choices in town. So and I guess I really felt strongly about it having my children grow up here. I could see that you know the fact that another university would come in would actually expand that choice and allow students to make a, a more informed decision about where they wanted to go. So we did, we moved to the first floor, uh, because, mainly because of paramedics uh, who were really increasing in numbers. And then uh, we ended up last year, was it last year, Izzy? Can you remember? Last year? Yes. Um, with a, th a three-storey building. And we're hoping that we're going to expand again middle of the year to another floor in building one. And hopefully maybe something else the following year. So it's really been, we've moved and moved and opened and opened. In fact, you and I have talked about the fact we're not quite sure when our opening officially was um, because we have so many birthdays, but yeah. That's right. It shows the Townsville really, the community really has embraced CQ Union. They really have. We, I'm... Um, Every time I go to a function or I have a meeting with the community, it reinforces to me that they're so positive. They do everything to support us. I, I end up at the table and I'm sometimes apologetic because we're still quite small and we haven't necessarily got the capability to be able to deliver, you know, lots of researchers into a research project or, or, or whatever. But I get a seat at the table, they acknowledge us and they support They support us. So I, I've been quite overwhelmed by the community, um, how positive the community have been that we've been here. And that's just fantastic. And I would say it's it's got all to do with um, the staff we've got. We've got um, fantastic staff who actually feel, I believe, and I guess that's something that you could comment on, um, that they believe that that we're all part of building this university here. And I think that feeling of ownership is, it really shines through to our students and to the community. Carrie, it's really obvious that you absolutely do love what mm. you do. Um, what is it that makes your job worthwhile, you know, that keeps, that, that makes you tick, that brings you back every day? I think the obvious thing is things are changing so quickly. I actually love change, so I get quite excited about change. I also, when I look back on some of the things that I've done, I actually like building and developing. So I know that it probably plays to a strength or an area that I really enjoy doing. I, I've reflected on this as to whether it's as I've got older, but I don't actually believe it is. When I was in Julia Creek, um, we went for accreditation and it gelled the staff together with one common goal and a direction and a focus. And I could see how staff, um, by giving um, staff their area to build and to own and to have that one direction actually motivated staff. So fast forward now to here and I'd like to say it's as a result of experience and I've got older and I reflect on that. But it probably taught me a massive lesson, and that was how 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 great it is is to have engaging staff. How they do need a direction, but once they've got that direction and focus, you can pull together and you can do anything. And I get I get choked up about some of the things that you know staff come and tell me when they're excited about um, whether it be an open day and the number of students that we've got through, or uni experience, or whether we've had a function that's been really successful and how proud a staff member has been to pull that together 
I get chalked up like a mum, but I get chalked up and I can see the energy in the staff and that actually gets me up and, and coming to work each day. Obviously, um, students are a huge part of our everyday um, and you've spoken a lot about um, some of the experiences in particular that you had in rural um, being a nurse yeah. and you know some of the things that they've learnt and the advantages rather than disadvantages uh, that students gain for yeah. being in a regional university and being placed rurally yeah. and things like that. Can you tell me a little bit about that and you know how important it is for a student to really embrace that um, yes. during their time? Yes, absolutely. Um, I guess for me, I'm going out there, the amount of um, different jobs that I did. So I guess the, the things that I've talked about, the amount of different types of jobs, they are, there's less patients compared to a big city hospital, absolutely. Um, but those, uh, it is whatever comes through the door. So you have anything from, um, you know, simple coughs and colds to more sinister, very minor elements that could potentially develop, um, to snake bites, to a traumatic car accident, to deaths. Um, and so all of that, you've got to, your knowledge, uh, you've really got to, it's not just the knowledge that you have, but you've really got to have the ability to start and continue to absorb, to build up your knowledge and also to problem solve. So I would say that I saw a difference in doctors coming through, junior doctors coming through and then their ability to, to they were terrified at the idea of being on their own, but then their ability to problem solve and think it through. So I think my knowledge and I still draw on my health knowledge from those days because I was reading up on everything. If I had someone um, that was being monitored and we had them on a heart monitor, then you would go back and you'd read everything about ECGs so that you could spot everything. So that sort of experience you just don't get in a bigger, a bigger city. There's another area and that is understanding your, your involvement with the community and how that impacts, how the hospital impacts on the community and how you need to build up trust within a community. They do rely on um, the, the hospitals um, and having that relationship is so important. So when we when we had downtimes at Julia Creek, we would go up to the school and we do a healthy bone talk or a skin cancer talk or we go up to the pubs and organise um, with the place that we do breathalyzer tests and teach. So a lot of the primary health care we did many years ago and then it disappeared a little bit as you get busier over at the acute care but it still remains in smaller hospitals that integration with the community and knowing and understanding your responsibilities and that taught me a huge amount coming from Glasgow but I can see the difference even in um, coming out from a smaller town into a very uh, remote or regional town how that how that makes a difference in your thinking. Brilliant. Just finally, Kari, we're nearly about to wrap up. What's next for Kari? Ah, <laughs> the big question. Look, I have to, I've talked and talked about doing my PhD and I have to get in and do my PhD at a personal level. It's bugging me. I'm, I've got four postgraduate qualifications, including two masters. I need to do a PhD because I do want, there's so many things that I would like to research. So I think that would be actually a really fun hobby to have. Um, after post PhD is to really be able to do some research. Um, I'm loving what I'm doing just now. I think as long as there continues to be challenges and we're moving forward, I'd like to think that I would stay in Townsville 
I'm for another period, well, for a decent period of time, but I'd like to see that this is really grown, this is really established um, here. Who knows? Who knows? Lots more traveling. So I guess it's maybe about balance in life. So I'm enjoying what I'm doing in terms of a job. I will challenge myself in my personal life and then through doing a PhD. And I think that's probably where I'm at just now. That should keep you pretty busy. Yeah, I think so. Um, people that do know you personally know that you do love travel. Yeah. Um, is there any particular place on the planet that you haven't quite made it to yet that you have a really yeah probably to get to? Antarctica would be a big one. Um, so my partner's a marine biologist, so we've gone to lots of different places and looked at the marine life, but Antarctica is definitely one. Um, I remember the Northern Lights as a kid. Um, I would like to go back and go up to Finland and have, you know, sleep in one of the open glass igloos and watch the Northern Lights. I've seen them, but again, you don't necessarily appreciate when you, um, until you're older, that you look back and think, I want to do it. So there's plenty of places. I think the, the, the thing that I like is the idea of going somewhere and having a bit of a challenge. And you know that I've been to base camp I've you know done a number of challenges around I've been to Inca I've been on the Inca Trail so as long as we're still fit and healthy I think that no matter where we go um, there will be that element of what can we do there can we do a hike a walk a cycle a, a bit of a challenge but that will ebb away as time goes on and I think just exploring new places is just so much fun. Brilliant. Now, I can't not wrap this up. You threw me the bait at the beginning, so uh -oh. I'm going to have to take it at the end. Uh -oh. Can you finish it off by giving me your best Aussie accent? No, I can't. <laughs> oh, how difficult is that? So I'm, my daughter used to, oh my goodness, my daughter used to, it was quite incredible when she was, up until she was about three, she would actually talk to us, talk to me with a Scottish accent and talk to my partner with an Australian accent. So when I tell this story, I'll say, Caitlin would look at me and say, mom, can I have a Coke? Um, and then she would turn to her dad and say, dad, can I have a Coke? <laughs> That's all you're going to get. I think you did pretty well. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Like this podcast? Don't forget to rate, review and share with your friends.